Ooh, ooh, I love a good countdown. You ready? It's the final countdown. Let's go. What's up, Justin? <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back really to another episode of the Drop Tune Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk all things music business, music marketing, and growing your career as an independent artist. I'm one of your hosts, Scott career? Kelly. Is it career in this? I'm Tyler Greer, and we have a lovely guest, Justin. Justin, how do you pronounce hey. your last name? Is it, is it truly Spartacus? Unofficially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Just keep that air of mystery present. I, I, went, yeah, uh, exactly. I was texting Tyler about getting you on, and earlier I was like, hey, I'm going to write up some notes for the podcast real quick. Like, Just give me a quick rundown on like, who Justin is, what he does, da da da, and uh, he's like, yeah. So Justin Spartacus. I was like, is that really his last name? That's kind of sick. <laughs> <laughs> According to the military government, yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, love we'll, that. And we'll leave it right there. So yeah, Justin, thanks for coming <laughs> on. It's great to have you. Um, yeah, why don't thanks, you? Guys. What? Yeah, for sure. Why don't we just start by getting a quick. Uh, intro like why don't you introduce yourself just tell us a little bit about who you are what you do and then we can dive into the specifics yeah justin sparkus aka traveling rocker aka mr muscles aka Jiglo on tuesdays um (laughs) (laughs) um musician tour manager pr interviewer gym owner Social media content, everything, pretty much a little bit of everything. Dang, that does really sound like a little bit of everything. <laughs> this man has more recently has so many hats. <laughs> Depends on what day. Like I said, big glow on Tuesdays. That's the best go. hat to wear. Got <laughs> <laughs> to make money living in California. It's true. Go ahead, uh, I was gonna say, dude, uh, tell it. Because I don't know much about what you, um when, when when did you get in with Bandit or Bandit PR? Uh, I was there during COVID. Um, I'm friends with the owner and starter named Rebecca Postner. Shout out to her; she's a great girl. Um, she's been working in the music industry for a long time. Um, she works with kind of Live Nation and some other groups as well out in the Midwest, Michigan, Ohio, and stuff like that. Um. And she does, she runs like social media for a bunch of festivals. She actually does like a bunch of social media for like when we were young fest and stuff like that. Um, But she created this whole group called Banded PR. And essentially it's kind of like a freelance organization of photographers, interviewers, PR, just everything for musicians. So her motto is uh, we're artists and musicians. I mean, uh, fans and musicians connected together. They're banded together. So I had my thing where I was doing called Horns Up, essentially, kind of like the same concept of hers, promoting bands, traveling, interviewing them, and giving them the spotlight. And then we just kind of combined forces and are like, yo, let's put this together. That's so fucking sick. Nice. Because I know you were, cool. you were traveling so- a lot. Um, and I know you traveled up, up to see us in Illinois, <clears throat> which thank you. Fuck yeah, I miss dude, you. Dude. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, how long were you doing that by yourself? Uh, I think it was a couple years. I think I started that in yeah, 2018. Yeah, I did it for like 
two years. Yeah, it was two years by myself. Um, it was actually funny. One of my nice. first interviews, or like first thing I did was Upon a Burning Body. It was in Texas. Uh, they were doing a hometown show in San Antonio, Texas, the Paper Tiger. And it was kind of like one of my first ones going out there. And uh, we were all talking about it on this last one that we did when they came out here for Chain Reaction. Um, but yeah, it's been a, been a wild ride. That's so badass. So is uh, is interviews primarily like what you're focusing on with with your work yeah. with Bandit, or are you kind of doing a lot of different stuff? I do articles. Like I used to do more articles during COVID, but then once everything's been lifting, I've been traveling more, and um, so I've been focusing more on that. So like you know, whenever a new one uh, new like a new album comes out, I'll drop a whole review before and like did it like that stuff like that because I don't like. I wasn't liking like what Revolver or Metal Injection or Loudwire. They just have thousands of ads and they're like targeted reviews. You know, they get paid to do the review and like it's kind of like a unbiased yeah. review and stuff like that. Or uh, Rock Feed when they just they always target like the mainstream artists. They never never branch out to independent artists and find actually find hidden gems throughout the U.S. and world. Nice. Yeah, I'm sick of seeing articles about uh, <laughs> Megadeth, Metallica, and Lamb of God. Or Corey Taylor. Any time Corey Taylor does something, oh, Corey Taylor took a shit. Put it on Instagram today. Oh, it looks like we might have lost you for a second there, Justin. Right, like, can you hear yeah. me? Yeah. yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah, I was saying, yeah, oh, I was saying even Corey Taylor. Like, oh, yeah, Corey Taylor took a shit today and put it on Instagram. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, oh, shit. This is hit news. Or anytime Maybe MGK so. says anything, that's fucking what everybody fucking puts on their damn feed. <laughs> well, that you happen to live out live out in California, so it's even more <laughs> more prominent for you. Well, yeah, it's like the same thing with like I didn't like that's what really so it was two podcasters that really turned me on. You know what? I need to do better than these two people, and I'm not afraid to call them out. Rock feed. I, I and know Finn. where you're going with this. Finn McKenzie, yes. <laughs> punk rock NBA. I know he had some gripe. Don't. I know he had some gripe for a minute. <laughs> Dude, him and I even went on it on Instagram one time, and uh, it was funny because it's just like he's just so one-minded tunnel vision on the music industry. His views are very interesting. Adam <laughs> Adam showed me uh, his his uh, content. And Adam's a firm believer in everything he says, which is fine. You know, awesome. I mean, Adam, I've gone into it too. <laughs> it, it, Adam, yeah. and I are just—it's <laughs> weird. There's no middle ground with Adam. Either you're all with him, or you're—he's all against you. Like, there's no gray. It's oh, one or the other. <laughs> Shout out Adam Bevel. We love you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> entirely. <laughs> It's uh some interesting. I remember you were posting about like uh singles versus albums or um how TikTok is potentially like killing uh like marketing of music or like the attention span of like yeah. new artists. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, those are things we we try to talk about here. At least in, in the brighter side of like how to uh monopolize or how to gain those that attention, even though it could be for well, like five four less seconds. Right. Yeah, there's a right way to do it. I think the way that's like with TikTok was like that's kind of monopolizing it is the more cover base. If people are just doing covers or like they're getting famous for just doing covers or lip syncing, 
and not using it as a marketing tool. Cause uh, Danny, the lead singer for a Pony Burning Body, he does TikTok. He's the only one who does any social media for the band, but his TikToks are just like, he likes to post funny shit. In a sense, he just likes enjoying posting funny shit, which is a good funnel for them. Like, oh, hey, this guy's posting funny stuff and he's in a band. I'm going to go check out his band. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I like I read a lot of um, like I try to stay in the know about like what's happening in the industry in terms of like new marketing approaches and da da da. And there's I, I feel like over the past like six months in particular, I've seen a lot of stuff popping up about like people complaining about how focused like labels and management firms are around like you got to hit a trending sound on tiktok and if your fucking song's not trending then womp 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 like we're not interested and it's an interesting one just because it's like that the tool has so much potential to help people grow but if the people with all the cash are pushing artists for like the wrong reasons so to say it, it feel it seems like it starts to become a bit counterintuitive Yeah, but it's like, so it's like, it's a double-edged sword, man. Cause like, so another good buddy of mine, Andrew Hagar, um, he's the son of Sammy Hagar and, um, he's a phenomenal, uh, songwriter and he has an album mm-hmm. ready to drop, completely ready to drop. And it's killer. He's sending the masters. It sounds freaking bitching. Um, but the record labels that he chopped it up and showed it for, like, he's going to do some showcase shows for some labels to check it out. But the number one thing yeah. these labels want, like, okay, well, do you have a TikTok? Mm. like and he doesn't want to have a tiktok he doesn't like tiktok but there that's now becoming a prerequisite of you trying to get a record deal do you have a tiktok wow that's so whack it's like something that could have so much potential even outside of just like uh, a specific social media can dictate yeah. even if you have the potential to release it or not but yeah it, it and like i think one of the most high profile sorry go ahead dude Oh no, go ahead, dude. What were you going to say on the high profile? Oh, I was just going to say, I think one of the most like high profile examples of that I've heard of recently is, uh, I saw that Halsey was complaining online, uh, a couple months ago that like, yeah, that, you know, Halsey had music ready to go and the label was preventing the song from coming out because it wasn't like TikTok ready or whatever, but yeah, crazy. Um, but like, it's another, another thing about it. And I love this. So it's, it's a double edged sword. It's really just about who you're chopping up to and where it's, it's 50, 50 on both sides of the spectrum. So a really great hardcore band out from Oregon, uh, they're called dying wish. And I just saw that they fucking, I love them. I interviewed them. They're great people. And they never even had an EP. They only had singles and they got a record deal from sharp tone. Hey, dude! They didn't even put out a full-length album. This is their album that came out last year. Was their first full-length album, straight from Sharp Tone Records. Yeah, it's badass. the world we live in. It's the world we live in. Singles rule everything. But For they only even had like a couple singles. That was it. And it was just they. But they grew. Wow. They did it like an organic way. They were doing a shit show to shows of DIY band shows and stuff like that. Then they got a deal. Like they're a Cinderella story of getting a record label. Mm, definitely. Wow. That and they're just a phenomenal band. I definitely did see them two nights ago here in Denver. Dude, I- I'm catching that show on Saturday. I'm so stoked. Like Sam, uh, the guitar player, he's fucking the huge ogre dude. Killer shredder, yeah. man. Killer dude. He had, dude. A, he had a 
did he have an Explorer or a V? I'm pretty sure he had a V. I was like, <laughs> I walked in and saw it. I'm like, I'm so excited with the V. That's <laughs> his new ESP, the ESP arrow. Yeah, dude. Fucking love that thing. Yeah, because so I was sick. telling him, because he had, he was the last tour, he was using an uh, Arctic white one, the ESP Arctic, whatever, the, the white ones. And I was like, dude, you got to try the arrow, the black metal ones. And then he grabbed it. <laughs> Dude, I think that's my sign to pick up a V. <laughs> Balagar, Dude, I, I love. I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, that's. But yeah, it's, it's like I I enjoy doing reels. I like reels better than TikToks. I'll never get a TikTok. I'm just not about that platform. Um, and I just enjoy doing it. Like I'll just do guitar covers for fun because it. Also improves me as a musician because now I'm learning something from another musician, how they did it, their thought processing and stuff like that. For sure. Well, I think that's actually like a decent segue of, of sorts, right? So we know you're involved with all these different um, aspects of the industry. Are you also, do you also play in a band or what's your like direct relationship with music like currently? Officially now I am finally in a band. I'm with a band called uh, Felon 13. Uh, out here in LA, and um, they—I'm a bass player, though. Ironically, I went from <laughs> guitar. My buddy asked me, like, "Hey, so can you play bass?" I'm like, "I can play bass like a guitar player." <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same notes. It's all the same shit. So I'm yeah. like, "I'm like, I'm never gonna play with my." Oh, I try playing with my hand, like fingers. I'm like, "That's not for me." I'll do David Elfson way with a pick. So yeah, very cool. Nice dude. What kind but, of music is it? Uh, I can say it's like hard rock, more like a hard rock, yeah. almost going a little bit into the hardcore punk in a sense, kind of like, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like kind of like almost a rancid, maybe old, young 18 visions. Oh, cool. So I'm, that's what I've been doing currently. We got two shows next weekend, one in Pasadena and then one in LA. Nice. Um, I'm bummed. We're gonna. I'm gonna miss one show in September. We're playing at the Troubadour in LA, and I'm gonna miss it. I'm like, damn it, dang. So I'll be on. I'll be on tour. <clears throat> damn, roadie life. Dang, dude. Well, you got a lot to keep to keep you busy. Um, you know, on the topic of, you know, you, you mentioned you're heading out on tour. That's in a tour management capacity, right? Through what you're doing with MVK, MVK Music Group. Yeah, with them, I have with their artists, they, some both, I'll do tour management with their artists when they're ready to go mm -hmm. do stuff. Like a bunch of their artists are going to be doing uh, a kind of a road trip tour to a festival out in Vegas called Apocalypse Metal, uh, Apocalypse in the Desert. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll help with that, get them, their bands, because they're all on the East Coast coming out to the West. Uh, the one I'm doing right now is with uh, a mutual friend of ours, a uh, band he was playing with called Dead Posey. Uh, Jake Mazinari, mm -hmm. shout out. Um, and they reached out to me, uh, saying, Hey, dude, this whole email thing saying, We need a tour manager basically for this next two months. We need help. Are yeah. you down to do it? Let's do it. Nice. Okay, cool. So, how did, how did you get started in tour management? Whether it's you working on like an independent basis or through MVK, like what, what does that, what does that origin story look like? I mean, essentially, it just transcribed for me because I'm a military veteran, army vet, and uh, it mm -hmm. just, and being a business owner, it's just, I'm 
anal retentive by nature. I plan everything out, think everything in my head, have a whole spreadsheet, whatever I'm going to do. And the first tour I managed was last year uh, with a friend's band of mine called Breaking a Sequence, um, ex-David Silvera from Corn. It was his bands. And okay. um, they did a tour going through um, California, Utah, Colorado, Phoenix, and Arizona. I think it was Arizona. Yeah. Oh, no. no um, New Mexico? I think it was New Mexico, nice. too. Yeah. All three of those, there's a big old whole loop. Um, so I started off there and I'm like, dude, you guys, they needed help with tour managing because this, you know, getting the money, essentially you're a glorified babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really that's really what it true. is. You're mapping <laughs> out where you're, driving, where you're staying, um, getting in touch with the manager at the, the booking agent or the manager at the venue, when to load in time, set in times, um, making sure the sound guy's not a fucking dickhead, um, getting the payout each night making sure everything's good to go. If anything happens during the set, um, saying, Hey, something, this guitar is not coming out through here. Whatever the fuck it's essentially you're doing all this shit. They don't need to think about so they can just go play. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Very yeah, cool. Dude, I love chase. I love chasing the, uh, promoter or, uh, music venue manager around for, uh, getting paid out. It's great. <laughs> oh, I was just so talking fun. about this. <laughs> dude, it just happened. That, have you been to Herbin's hideaway yet? Tyler in Denver. Yeah, I have. I fucking hate that place. <laughs> they, it was that. It's like a shitty we hole played hole there. Place. It was uh, in October, and the the freaking the promoter would do. He was being such an asshole. He didn't want to pay us after a set. There's a whole ordeal. It basically, long story short, they fucked us over our time slot, and we had to be an opening band versus the headlining band, even though we still got our money guaranteed while we were playing. But when we were done, we were trying to collect our payout. Like, no, you have to wait till one in the morning until everybody's done playing to get your payout. They were just trying to be freaking dicks. Fuck. So pissed. <clears throat> That's not, not a good time. <clears throat> no. Like, yo, I no, just no. want to leave at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just give me my money so I can leave. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yes, that's interesting. Um, Justin, I'll have to hit you. I'll have to hit you up at some point because I have some. Uh, I So I'm originally from Ireland. And, um, I have some friends from back home who they're in like a pretty much like a modern Irish folk band, but they're like blowing, they're blowing up in Europe right now. Um, and they have, but they might be doing a, a U.S. tour in the spring and, uh, might be asking me to like tour manage for them. So, but I've never actually like gone out and done it before. So I'll have to hit you up and get some, some tips. Yeah. It's <laughs> It's, not, it's nothing crazy, man. Like, it's it's really kind of playing. Like, as long as you're good with being, like, time management skills, knowing how to map everything out, and them also, the biggest thing is you got to make them, they got to understand, like, yeah, you're different because they have to enjoy being with you. Yes, you're friends with them, but you're the <laughs> tour manager. They need to respect your voice at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Being the, nice. bad, being the bad dad. The band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like when when someone's too drunk, you got to say, "No, no more. Go to bed." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It's like stop. Hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Very cool. It's the exciting part. So 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 when did the um, so you started out on a more of an independent basis? It sounds like when did you start working with 
MVK and what, what sort of relationship do you have with them? Like, do you actually head out on the road with their artists or are you more so just working in like a behind the scenes capacity or? MVK was right after I did that. It was kind of like, that was cause I got breaking in a sequence. Um, I was already friends with MVK for a while cause I'd worked with all their okay. artists doing features and promotions and stuff like that. So I was already <laughs> on them for that. And um, then I got them in touch and I put, I actually could put Tyler in touch with them too about, because they needed some management as well. Um, mm -hmm. So they're breaking a sequence as an MVK base or their, that's their manager, official managers for stuff. Gotcha. And um, they basically said, I'm already friends with them. It was a no brainer. Like, hey, we're going to bring you on as tour manager. Let's get it done. And after that successful run of that, then mm -hmm. the owners of MVK are like, hey, we love what you did with them. Do you want to be part of our, our team? So when our bands are doing on the tour and road, you can be a part of it and coordinate all the, the planning and what needs to be done. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I think going on to just the next point here, something that I was like super curious about and we'll, uh, we'll step away from, from music for a second. We won't, we won't focus on this too heavy just since it's not directly related to the podcast, but Tyler tells me you also, you also own a gym. Yeah, I'm a gym owner. The Gains Train. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> we're, all, we're all about like, shredding in all uh, aspects of life. Snowboarding, shred. Uh, music, and fucking weights, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, right? Very cool. Even though Tyler and I have yet to snowboard, it's like every time I come out there, he can't go because of work or something like that. Well, hopefully this season. Scout's a fellow scout, wherever you are yeah, on the screen. Uh, he's a fellow shredder. I go with him all the time. Uh, went last season. Because um, so I'm, I'm an FBS holder. Shred. I'm all about Breckenridge, Breckenridge, Vale, all those places, man. I, I still want to do uh, Keystone. I haven't done Keystone yet. Keystone's a good time. Yeah, man. Come on out. We'll, uh, we'll hit it up down and I, I met a buddy actually he's a professional snowboard i met him out and um he's a friend of the bands that i was helping with archie cruz and their band um i i didn't know philly has an indoor snowboarding like mountain they have an indoor snowboarding place in philly oh no Delphia? what the fuck <laughs> yeah of all places he was like he was out there was like oh yeah dude i'm competing for this like whole tournament thing it's an indoor snowboarding thing in philly and it looks sick but he goes out to Denver too. Do you know the name of it or no? Uh, I can text him because he showed me the information. Like, I was like, I don't even know if U.S. Oh, made yeah. an endorse anything ring for snow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, a, there's a couple of those on the East Coast. They just opened one in New Jersey a couple of years ago too. What, what's your what's your friend's Maybe name? It was, that one. It, was it was Jersey. It was Jersey, not Philly. It was in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, that's the nice. one. But yeah, what's, yeah, what's your buddy's name? Uh, I, I'm trying. I just met him on Monday because he's friends oh, with okay. um, the band. Um, <clears throat> you know that horrible thing where you for, you meet somebody the first time and you just kind of you forget their name because you're like in that moment. I feel it. yeah, all we, the time. <laughs> we, we can, yeah, <laughs> we can we can cut that part out if you want. I, I, I There's no shame. It happens to everyone. Come on now. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Hey, awful we all meet awesome people, and we're like, right. "Yeah, dude, this dude was awesome." What's his name? Danny. 
Uh, I don't know Sick. his last name. Um, but you know what it happens because especially in like you know when you're traveling for music you meet so many people at once and it's like yeah. especially in like in the military that's the worst thing in the military because like I met literally a new person every day because you're in the military and mm-hmm. but you're not part of my so unit much, or yeah. like active part of my I, life so I'm not gonna... right yeah I'm kind of similar in that I'm really good with people's faces like if I meet someone yes. I could not see them for two years and I'll run into them again two years later and I'll recognize their face right away, but I'll have no clue what their name is. And then I feel really that, that bad happens. because they'll be like, Hey Scott, what's up? And I'll be like, what's up, dude. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, really that like, if I'm, it's like the same person, like I've seen him in LA. I'm like, Oh yeah. Uh, so-and-so what's his name? And then they'll say his name. Yeah. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. But yeah, we kind of, we got sidetracked there for a second, but yeah, you own a gym, prime, primal fitness. Um, how'd you get in, how'd you get, get into that? Like it's, it's just something I'm personally interested in. Like, as you know, Tyler's really into fitness. I'm really into fitness. So just something I'm curious about. Um, there's always, fitness has always been part of my life. I've always been an athlete, ex-fighter, ex-military. Um, so it was like, I got out of the military to go get a degree in kinesiology, exercise, sports science. And then I uh, became a personal trainer. Then uh, as a personal trainer, the gym I was working at, they were like, hey, you've been here for like four or five years. Are you interested in buying the gym, potentially being the owner? And I'm like, let's oh, do it. And I got the money I needed to do it. And now I'm the owner. Nice. And you enjoy doing that? And you find it's a good business? Because I hear a lot of people have like difficulty in that industry. It is, man. It's a it's a forever roller coaster. It's always ups and downs. Yeah. There's no stagnant. If you want a stagnant career, being a gym owner is not that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. Much like if being COVID a gym COVID. owner is very similar. Being similar as a musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially during COVID, it's like being a gym owner during COVID was like the worst thing impossible that happened. Oh, I bet. I bet that's crazy. It's crazy. So it's it's uh, it's because it's like not even just being an owner. It's like you got to understand numbers, bookkeeping. You're, you got to learn all this shit about like just not besides running a business, but like gym equipment breaking. Mm-hmm. You essentially, you learn how to be a handyman as well because you got to fix shit that breaks down <laughs> for you. Painting walls, plastering walls, fixing toilets when they're busted. You you do everything because. You got to learn it. Sure. You got to learn how to do it or you're going to pay someone else to do it. And you don't want to waste the money paying someone else to do it. Right. Very cool. Damn, dude. Very cool. Nice. Dude, dude. you trying to start uh, start running a gym out here? Move out to Denver? Dude, I'm so ready to get out of California. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I still have a trainer too. Cool. So like I still have my clients. And um, I'm actually, because I still love it. It's like, I love training people. The business aspect is California is very, uh, it's a different, when you travel to other cities and you see the fitness communities in different cities, it's all different cliques. Like even New York, when I went to go work, I always work out wherever I went. And I love watching, mm-hmm. going to the different gyms, seeing their setups and how their people are, whatnot people are doing. And I was so shocked in New York, there was not a single person wearing Lululemon or half tattoos. Wow. Dang. There was, there was no, like, I was, I was so shocked. There was no, actually, I didn't see any gym bros at all in New York. Damn. At least the gyms that I went to, the two gyms that I went to, I didn't see any bros. Yeah. And I feel like 
with with gyms it's interesting too because like the word gym people have a specific thing in mind but like once you get more into it and you're like aware of like what's what you start to realize there's very different types of gyms that attract very different types of people um yeah yeah i just always think that that's pretty interesting too to like see what's what yeah because i went to a crunch fitness Ooh. Dude, Tyler's gym is sick, and it's apartment complex. That place is like a mini Crunch Fitness. That thing is legit. <laughs> they don't yeah, like powerlifters, apparently. <laughs> now they, yeah, they haven't said anything every- in a while about like, <laughs> hey, we finally have deadlift platforms, so it's okay. Uh, you know, they haven't said anything since since basically right before you got here, um, when you visited back in I forgot when that was, but. Uh, not too many people lift heavy weight, so uh, it's pretty interesting once you see someone lifting heavier, a substantial amount. It's like, whoa, brother? <laughs> brother in Christ? <laughs> Is that You're you? Like, yeah, we have the weights there, but we didn't think anybody was going to use them. <laughs> we just put these up for decor. <laughs> yeah, they're part of the... Hey, man, I'm... They're part of the... <laughs> I was, dude, I'm creeping up. We uh, Our dumbbells go to 100. Uh, I repped out 90s for a set of three uh, the other week for incline. I'm like, man, I'm going to run out of weight to the use. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm always happy when I go to a gym. I'm like, oh, my God, they have 120 dumbbells. Fuck yeah, because we only have 100s at my gym. Because um, 120, when you buy those, once you go past, the dumbbells are expensive in general. They don't they don't charge you per pound. They charge mm-hmm. you way more per pound. It's like yeah. $3 per <laughs> pound. You- like that. Oh. Damn, so you're spending like $400 on like 120s, 140s? For one dumbbell. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah, that's the, that's the key. Once you get it, once you get yeah. past 50s, you buy, have to buy dumbbells by singles. You can't buy them in pairs. Oof, that hurts. That's wild. It's probably for it's shipping. Gonna, it's because of shipping. Because remember, they got to ship that. it out to you, so they have to ship it individually and not in a pair. Damn. Dang, dude. Wild. I remember I was doing get a, a, get a rude awakening. <laughs> dude, I was doing so many gym improvements during COVID and ordering a bunch of shit. And I know our UPS driver was hating life <laughs> from all the shit we were getting sent to us. <laughs> so I was ordering like new rigs oh, and I... new bumpers. And... <laughs> Homie's getting oh, a workout. Funny. He didn't even know. He didn't know what he signed up for that day. <laughs> Secret like that. Primal Fitness. Yeah, yeah, he pulls up to Primal Fitness. He's like, oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one time we ordered, I ordered six new medicine balls. They were like two tens, a couple 20s, and then a 30 pound or some shit like that. And they all came at once. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's when you sneak in your services. Like, hey, you want to make this easier for you? Come, come lift. Oh, my God. <laughs> Give you that FedEx driver discount. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. But yeah, gym owners, uh, it's like a different life, man, especially in California. And, um, are you hear me? There you go. You're back now. Yeah, we hear you. Uh, but yeah, gym owner life, it's uh, it's very 50 50. I love it, hate it. It's kind of like, you know. It's like a toxic yeah. relationship. You're like, you love it when you love it, then you hate it when you don't. <laughs> As with most things that are worth doing, I find. <laughs> but 
There you go. But yeah, let's uh let's let's bring the conversation back to music. You know, one thing I'm curious about is let's say with like the like with like so you're working with branded PR, right? Banded, sorry, not branded. Um you know, I've I when I talk to people about promoting their music and the different ways that they might be trying to get the word out there on like new projects and stuff like that. Like a lot of times um, people mention like working with PR firms and, you know, my personal perspective has always been like, Hey, you have to be really careful about like the PR firms that you're working with because they, a lot of PR firms don't necessarily have any way to like guarantee real results. Um, So I think one thing that I'd ask you about is like, when do you feel is the best time for an artist to work with a PR firm and what should they realistically expect the inputs and outputs to be? That's really subjective because so like right now what's happening with, I noticed some, I'll get, cause I do have my email linked on, you know, my bio and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, I'll get with well, a big thing. What PR companies do right now is they'll go, and essentially they'll search like, okay, heavy metal or musician and they'll go to people and like, they'll find them on Instagram search and they'll click various profiles. And like, Oh, does he have an email? Oh, does he have an email? No. And they put a huge email thread of so-and-so like, I forgot what company I get them every day. Um, a bunch of PR people will just send me random emails. So-and-so releases a new single, um, or new music video. And that's kind of a new thing that's happening right now is mm-hmm. they they're they're kind of, they are doing the work and that's what they're doing for organic growth but they're finding people in the niche and they just spam email you in hopes that you click on it and check out the band which is what's happening oh. right now wow um and um and i guess it's kind of like a shitty thing to do to bands especially if they're paying for that coverage but it's kind yeah. of like you don't know if that return's going to work in that kind of spam way Another PR sure. person who's a great friend of mine, her name is Raquel Figlo. Um, she's introduced me to a bunch of bands that uh, I became great friends with. Um, and she just actually did PR for William Shatner for some event up in LA. Oh, wow. um, essentially, what a PR agent does is she looks for people. Her way of doing stuff is like, okay, this band is doing a show. Mm-hmm. what media outlets can I get to come to that show? I'll put them on the guest list, photographers, reviewers, anybody, and put them on the guest list to come to that show to give them the maximum amount of exposure. Mm. Nice. So at some point you got to realize if, can you first, you got to look at if you can afford it. If you can't afford it, don't waste your money on a PR agent. Put the money into better music first. Obviously, better music, better looking content on your social media page, photography, making yourself look like an actual band. Then when you kind of have like a a good foundation as a band and your presence and you have that extra income, then find a decent PR agent like Raquel who will do that. She'll post up like, cool, I know all these people on my contacts list. I'm going to give them, they're going to go on the guest list and they're going to do reviews. They're going to put footage, photography. And at that point, that's when you should do some kind of PR. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that makes sense. That's a good explanation. Thank you. Cause um, I feel as if it's like, 
to your point, it's one of those things where like, you know, I, I too, I get emails in like my Ben's inbox, like at least twice a week from like some random person claiming to be from a PR company. I've just never heard of. And it's always just kind of felt like, what do I do with this? Like if I pay, if I was to pay this person, like what are they actually like going to go, going to go do for me? But I think that the explanation you give of like having something that's super tangible, like, Hey, this is the specific network that we have and we can get like person X, Y, and Z to actually come out to something like a show or, you know, talk about like specific, specific release makes uh, a lot of sense. But I I think the point you make, my takeaway from your explanation there is like, it's really all about like the network that the individual PR company has. Yeah. How many connections do they have? That's what you need to assess. You need to see to make sure their connections are actually worth your money to give them the exposure that you need. And do you have any advice that you'd give to people who might be listening? Is there, have you found that there is maybe a way to go about doing that? Like, are there specific questions that maybe people should be asking a PR company before they hire them? I wouldn't say ask them. I would say do your due diligence and look at them. Look at the roster of the bands they worked with and then kind of look at that. Look at the coverage they've gotten. Go from there. Because no PR person person can blow smoke up your ass saying, yeah, I know so-and-so, so-and-so. They can lie to you and basically say, like, I got all these connections from, you know, I know someone in Revolver will get you a feature in Revolver, shit like that. They can blow smoke up your ass. Mm. So do your due diligence first. Look up the bands they've actually worked with or are on their roster and see what they've gotten Mm. from them. Nice. That's good input. Hell yeah. Love that. Let's see. And the organic way does work from like for bands. Like, you know, they'll message you saying, Hey, we have a new single out. It does work actually. Uh like I've met a couple great bands and I'm like, I I'll if someone does that, I'll check out their music. If I like it, cool. It'll come down to me actually liking the music, and then I wanna do I wanna talk to you guys. Because if I I don't want to take on somebody that I'm actually just not thoroughly enjoying just to take on, like, you know, to promote them. Cause then it kind of feels like a disservice sense on both sides. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Having uh, generally connecting with music definitely helps. I remember uh, (laughs) Scott and I in a very, a decade ago, literally a decade ago, where we would send emails like in, in, a, in like one of our first bands together or uh, spamming emails to people in hopes of them liking. It's like, well, <laughs> we just got to wait for someone to actually enjoy our music at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, be sure if you're going to target, if bands want to target, like do their own PR in a sense, like uh, another great band, uh, Graves and uh, Badwater, they, contacted me through uh, a friend of mine um they reached out to me shot me uh, an email saying hey we love what you're doing with band of pr we have a show coming up uh house of blues we would love to put you in the guest list which should give you if you get down to do an interview photography and stuff like that um that organic way does work as long as you make it personable to the person that you're connecting to for coverage don't make it generic mm-hmm. like cookie cutter like hey check out our band so and so you know Make it targeted yeah, to the person yeah. that you're sending it to. Don't make it seem like you're sending this also that same text to 
20 other girlfriends, you know? <laughs> Very well said. Yeah, uh, that way, you know, like, people, uh, music, everyone in the music industry uh, knows everyone to some degree or is connected to yeah. someone in some way. They're like, <laughs> that way it's like, hey, you get, that, you get that same email? Yeah, I got that same email. Never mind. Disingenuous. Disregard it. Three degree separation, man. That's all it is. <clears throat> That's so that a... You're going to work with PR, do diligence on the person that you want to work with, check out their bands. Then also, if you want to do it yourself, just be personable with every person you try to connect with, make it. So it's like, it's directly to them. Actually, you know, look at the person you're talking about. Like, Hey, we love what you did with so-and-so bands. Um, here's our information. We just released so-and-so every show at this. You know, you want to make sure like it. Dude, um, your work with uh, MVK, I know um, like after the conversation, I know you you joined them uh, a little bit after like Slang had the conversation with them. Um, what are some like, I know you're specifically like tour management or head of tour management for them. What are, much like the conversation that we just talked about with, with, with your, um, with banded PR, what are some tips or advice that you would give to any artists to reach out for like any tour management or, or, or working with, uh, your music group? Honestly, it should be, uh, if you're going to be with tour management, you should always have met the person firsthand. I mean, unless it's like a recommendation from someone that like, Hey, they're a great tour mm -hmm. manager. But even then, if it's a recommendation, you should have met them first because Tour manager, like I said, is it's a glorified babysitter. So you got to have that rapport. So have a rapport with somebody you already know and trust, and then also um, look at if they've done it before. You know, uh, they're reputable and whatnot. Talk to other bands again. Like I said, if they've done it before, how they like working with them, um, and put out a whole. What Dead Posey did was he put a whole form of email. They labeled, "Hey, we have these tour dates from so and so and so. We need help with X, Y, and Z." Here's what we can offer you um, if you're available. Like put it all up front to let them know so they don't have to ask questions about like what exactly you need. This is what we need. Can you do this for us? Nice. I think that's awesome, especially for anyone, like any artist that hasn't been on tour yet that listens to this or, you know, uh, road dogs that have been through it. Uh, that's really beneficial. Um, Cause yeah, like it's literally, I think, um, think about it in the sense like everything you need help with, put it on a list and that's what your tour manager should do. And that's what you yeah. should ask for somebody when you're going to contact them. Nice. Cool. And then just for frame of reference to it, right, cause obviously there's, there's going to be different levels to people touring, right? Like there's going to be, people will start off and they'll be initially at a point where they probably don't necessarily need a tour manager or quite frankly, can't afford one. Um, yeah. Not that you have to like disclose any specific numbers, but what is, what does the payment model typically look like on your end? Like if someone is thinking, Oh, I wonder if I can afford to get a tour manager. Like, is there kind of like an industry standard as to what they should be prepared to be spending or maybe a certain amount of, you know, money or ticket sales, they should be averaging on a per night basis. It's, it's always on a weekly basis. They pay you bi weekly. Okay. Um, and typically per diem is also included in your pay as well. So you'll have like your food pay, whatever your daily food amount. Um, mm -hmm. I'd say like an average, a general average 
Um, and it depends on the length of the tour. Uh, also, depending on the duties that they need you to do. Um, a good average, I think, typically is around three, right, like four to five hundred a week, depending on the length mm -hmm. of the tour. The longer the tour, sure. it's probably going to be more in pay just because that's mm -hmm. more time away from home for you, you know? Sure. And that's more time you need to do things. That's taking money from other stuff that you got going on. The shorter to the tour is probably going to be a bit lower. But again, it's mm -hmm. also going to be depending on the work you're doing and the length of the tour, like where you guys are going and what your job duties entail. But it's always weekly. Like, I don't think I know yeah. a single tour manager that they're not paid by weekly. Nice. Cool. No, that's good to know. Good to know. But like around four to five hundred cool. is generally the average for a tour manager. Nice. Very cool. Damn. <clears throat> Tyler, That's what else you got? got? We we went through we went through all <laughs> yeah, of our we... notes. Is there any Justin, is there anything I guess, you know, we can start to like round out like the quote unquote formal side of the conversation. Is there any kind of insight that you have adopted in all of your time working with artists across these various projects? Any sort of like general input you might have on uh, some best practices people can should be aware of to to grow their career. Uh, anything you know, anything along those lines. I think it's like um, there's, there's actually it was a great talk because I when I was talking with my dudes in upon a burning body, they've mm -hmm. been around for over a decade, and um, like tonight I'm going to be um, interviewing 18 Visions. They've been around for two decades, over 20 years, and talking about just like, why do you do this? Why? Mm -hmm. Rock is the hardest genre. Music is essentially the hardest genre to get any breakaway for it. And it always comes down to, you just gotta love doing it. Like, mm -hmm. decide all the bullshit, you gotta enjoy doing it. Like, this is your thing, your escape from the rest of the world, and this is what I like doing. If you don't enjoy it, if you think you're just doing, if you're just doing it for a fake purpose reason, or you want to do it just yeah. to to get some status, it's not going to last. You have to thoroughly enjoy doing it, and that's what's going to stick out the most. Nice, <clears throat> very cool, very cool. I think that's even uh, during the shit, even during the lows, you got to enjoy doing it during the lows. <laughs> you got to love it the most during the lows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because when you're sitting there, like, why the fuck am I dealing with this? <laughs> Very cool. It's, it's, this is a form of art. This is art. Art is not meant to be, like, it's not a, you can't set a standard to art. It's all subjective. And each mm -hmm. person's going to like it differently. And it was actually really cool. I, I, I like this one. Well, I, I, I totally forgot it. So now, um, after the show was done, and then we were walking back from the green, green room, and these kids were there at the show at the Pond and Birdie Body. And I was like, oh, dude, are you the traveling rocker? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> yeah, I saw you at Code Orange. And, oh, are, dude, are you going to uh, Devil Wears Prada next weekend? I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I'm going on Saturday. Dude, fuck yeah. Can we get a photo? Like, they were so, like, cool and nice. I never expected that or seen that just because they follow me on Instagram and seeing the stuff that I do and shit like that. So it's like those little moments is what you like about it right very cool dude those conversations have kept me going for a very long time it's like you meet someone <laughs> and it's like uh 
the other night when I was at uh, Dying Wish and Devil Wears Prada and uh, Stray, um, the dude that we were next to was just like, ended up like, followed American Slang's page. I'm like, dude, no way. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> moments like that, moments like that where you're just like, uh, damn, this, this, there's something here. <laughs> or like when I was the helping, smallest, uh... the smallest amount of feedback like that. Yeah. When I was helping uh, Archie and Santa Cruz in uh, New York, and I put together their whole VIP package. They weren't going to do a VIP thing before I approached the idea, and I created the whole digital art for it and everything. And uh, someone flew from Italy and bought that VIP package oh, to come see the band and all that. And they were just, like, Ooh. blown away that, that someone from another country came all the way to New York to come see them on a Tuesday. <laughs> Damn, and and that person nice. took out all that time and all that finance uh, and all that travel, you know, to go yeah. and see that band, and that and uh, that's wild. And they were they were so like, dude, they you're so so right about doing this. Even it was, it was only a few fans for a Tuesday, but like that, even those few fans that just made the biggest moment in their life. Like so happy that someone loved them that much to come out. And now we're doing it again for this Thursday one. We're doing another one. We had. Um, they're like, dude, if as long as you can come to kept managing our shows, let's keep doing this VIP stuff because like we love this. Nice. That's sick. That's sick. So I think Justin, one thing I'm curious about, uh, and maybe maybe we'll like start to wrap up on this just because we're approaching an hour. Um how how would someone get into doing what you do, right? Like we talk you know, on this podcast, we mostly talk about things from the perspective of the artists and what artists can do to to grow. But I think it's easy to forget that, you know, the kind of stuff that you're doing with like tour management and working with PR company, that is a whole other, you know, side to the industry, right? Like there's for, for every artist that's out there, there's multiple people working in the behind the scenes yeah. side of things yeah. or the companies that are out there to support what the artists are doing. So like, uh, what if someone wanted to get into doing PR work or what if someone wanted to get into doing tour management? How would they get started? Honestly, you just fucking do it. <laughs> there's, there's, there, there's no, like I, I fell into this. It just all came mm -hmm. into it. It just all naturally progressed to it. Uh, first, uh, playing as a musician, then I'm like, you know what? I first, because I first was being, being a musician, then I'm like, I'm looking at all these interviewers and content creators in the music industry. And I'm like, I don't like what you're doing. I can do that better. Mm -hmm. So then I started doing that. And then it kind of like, when I started learning how to make my own visuals, essentially for my own stuff, then mm -hmm. it kind of like, oh, hey, I can do this for other bands as well and help them. And I started helping other bands, friends of mine. I'm like, dude, I can create this digital thing for you to post up for your show. So it's kind of like you just kind of have to take the time and then gradually learn it, learn it in steps. You can't learn sure. it all at once. It's all steps. It just unfolds over time. Yeah. There's no blueprint. Totally. It's kind of like you just kind of do it. And first you really have, you have to do it. First you want to do it for free for the bands that you like, like mm -hmm. your homies. And that's how it first right. starts off. You learn, you get your feet wet doing it with bands and friends you like. And then as you get the experience and learning how to do all these things, then that's when you can start growing and evolving to making it into something larger. Yeah. Nice. Good input. 
Cool. Dude, and especially well, as an artist, sorry, I was just going to say, like, especially as an artist, it. we pick up so many random tidbits of skills, like, oh, website creation, uh, content creation, whether it be visuals or graphic design work. Yeah. Um, uh, how to how to manage uh, that website? How to manage social media? How to how to do so many things that you just pick up over the years? We're just like, mm. damn! Like I can I can essentially run any type of business with the skills that like I've learned as run as being an artist the past like over decade. Um, yeah. So so it's cool to hear that, and it's like I find it so weird how we all just pick up these tiny bits of things. Like, oh, this month I have to learn this. Next month I have to learn that. And it's like, oh, a year, two years from now, it's like, damn! I could just People can pay me for this? No way. I was doing this for free the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think another big thing, especially if you want to get into PR work or tour mm-hmm. management, you need to be you are, need to have a great network kind of in place. Like a network of connections, like cool. I know so and so who can handle this. Like I know various merch companies out here. I know two great merch companies that I'm yeah. putting and connect connect with them to get our merch done for this tour. Um, with banded PR, I'm like, Hey, I can get photographers to come out to their show and we'll put them on the guest list and they'll take a bunch of photos of us. Cause we have photographers throughout the U S in this banded PR click. Um, so it's like, you need to be personable and have a good network, build up a network organically. And then you have these tools that you can use to go off and help other bands actually really effective. Yeah, no, yeah. that's good. That's good input. Awesome. Cool. Well, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there as far as the conversation goes. Uh, Justin, thanks so much for coming on. It's awesome chatting with you. Um, Dude. I was going to say, oh, it's, been, just, it's been a solid talk. <laughs> where can, where, where can people, sorry, you, you, you cut out there for a second. Say again. Oh, I'm gonna say it was been a freaking blast. As soon as Tyler texts me, he's like, "Dude, you want to be on a podcast?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, absolutely!" Hell yeah, that's awesome. Where can people Ooh. find you online and uh, follow what you're do- what you're doing publicly? What's that? Sorry, you broke up a little bit. No worries. Where can people find you online to follow what you're doing publicly? Uh, you can just go on to my Instagram page at Traveling Rocker. Or uh, Bannon PR or the MVK. But Traveling Rocker is always the easiest way to get to me. Super simple, cool. easy to remember. You can find it, it has all my emails and all that good jazz to contact and all everything I do. Hell yeah. And where where's your gym if people want to come get shredded with you in California? Orange County, California. It was actually funny. See, this was another thing coming with the tour manager. Uh, I let the my UABB boys be like, hey, so can we use your shower at the gym? I'm like, dude, of course, man. You got to get that must off, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thick. I'll let them come in, I'll take a shower, do some laundry. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hit up your gym. <laughs> it, it's uh, Orange County, California, Primal Fitness Centers. Shoot me an email. I'll give you a workout. Boom. The next time I'm going to kill, I, got, I think we've, on, we've done one leg day. I think we've done a leg day. Yeah. I've only actually Yeah, that was the day I was about. <laughs> that was the day I almost passed out. <laughs> I was like, dude, I need water. I haven't drank water all day. I, I took pre-workout. I was like, dude, I'm shaky. I can't really see straight. I, I'll be back. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, I just, and I just came down from snowboarding like half the day over in Breck, too. 
Uh, that's so funny. It was a good one. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, thanks so much for listening to this episode, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Justin. If you are listening to this on a podcast app, please give us a follow and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel for all things music business, and we will catch you in the next one. Stay hydrated, get shredded, hit up Justin for your tour management needs. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.